Welcome back, Purgers. Oh, we have a lot to discuss this week. Yes, we do. Uh, Marcy, it's so great to hear your voice. Thanks. I was so bummed that I missed the interview with Jessica this week. We missed you. Well, obviously. <laughs> Obvi. Well, welcome everyone to the Pop Culture Theologians podcast. We are so excited you're back with us for episode four, Release the Beast. I'm excited about this episode. It was great. You know, we really want to give a quick shout out to the Engaged Gays for hosting us. Um, we just are so thankful that we started that website and there's such great content on there. Um, please, if you haven't already, go subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you find your favorite neighborhood podcast. And make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook because the show is getting crazier. So that means we're getting sassier. So, John, if people want to follow you live tweeting the show, where do they follow you? They can follow me at jerickson85. Perfect. What about you, Marcy? They can follow me on Twitter at I am the men who can. I love that name. <laughs> me too. I like literally rushed to the bathroom while watching Wonder Woman and switched all my accounts in hopes of snagging it before someone else did. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's the only good reason to leave Wonder Woman. Agreed. Agreed. It was like, I probably watched it like three or four times in the movie theater. So nothing lost, but I do know Brent was super confused why I was like flailing away at my cell phone, like halfway through our first viewing. And I was like, must have this account. <laughs> well, Marcy, a lot of shit happened this week. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Well, speaking of great stuff that happened this week, yeah, um, let's start off there. It's let's funny. start off there. So I, we were so happy to have Jessica Meisel on the in on the pod um, this past week. Um, for those of you tuning in now, um, it was a bonus episode, so make sure you go and check it out. It was, it's completely incredible, and we are just so excited that. Um, she came on the podcast. She even answered us when we we're like, Hey, you want to come on out and like talk with us? And she was just completely incredible to talk to. And I cannot wait to follow her for everything that she's doing. Cause she's, she's an amazing actress. Yeah, no, it was such, so, um, for everyone listening, I was sick this past week, like really sick. So, um, I couldn't jump. Marcy, you were destroying horror cruxes. You can tell people what you were really doing. Jesus, John, you have to out me as an aura. <laughs> I um, I was so bummed because I was really looking forward to the interview. But John and Jessica talked about how she got into acting, her her background in musical theater and in singing. Um, she's an amazing singer. Uh, we talked about we, as in pop culture theologians, not me, they talked a lot about um, what it means to have representation in this industry. So it was a great in interview. Uh, definitely go check it out. Yes, go check it out. We we had a lot of fun. I will say that much. I would love to bring her back on and hopefully we can just like, maybe instead of finding a new show, we'll just follow her to whatever show she's doing. I do love The Resident. Um, as someone who spent some time in a hospital in the past week and has spent a lot of time in hospitals over the last like 10 years um there is nothing greater than a show that is taking on the medical industry and that's what the residents doing it's not like Grey's Anatomy where it's like oh my god these doctors are so great they're saving lives it's and having like, sex with each other 
Well, I think the residents are all having sex too, <laughs> but, um, but it's the first show to be like, Hey, like this insurance fraud for real, like a real thing, like family is going broke, trying to pay for treatment, a real thing. Like, um, the fact that like, similar to the purge, actually, the fact that we are numbers, um, in a machine that doesn't see us as humans is like a huge thing. So I want to recommend the resident for everyone. If you haven't seen it, it is a great show. It really is. And on top of our amazing interview, we're going to go right down to the deep, dark, and dirty. And Brett Kavanaugh is a piece of shit. I, I love hearing you curse because I seriously have a hang up that I'm like the foulest fucking sailor in podcast history. So when you curse, I know it's a bad thing. It really is. And you can check out a piece I wrote called The Cost over on the Engage Gaze, where I literally start out the article by saying, Brett Kavanaugh is a piece of shit. Seriously, like, okay, I spent this whole week on a lot of pain meds and managing my rage, which is not a good combination, but I keep thinking of, like, how traumatizing this week has been for women across the U.S. Like, um, to watch this dude, this piece of shit dude, um, continue- Say it, Marcy. Say it. Piece of shit. Like, I'm so triggered, like- and fuck any boomer who's like, oh, millennials who are triggered. Like, I am so triggered by every aspect of this clusterfuck. Every single aspect is dystopian and, like, could have its own purge episode. Like, the fact that more and more women keep coming out, the fact that... I think one of the things that really disturbed me was this woman who signed the good faith statement for him finds out in front of the national stage that they that the boys at Georgetown Prep were all, like patting themselves on the back for having slept with her. Most of it, which is not true, is horrifying. Um, His rhetoric of like how he is not going to step down, how entitled he is to be here, like um, is disgusting. The fact that he dragged his wife on Fox News and wouldn't even let her speak. And she looked, I thought a lot about her um, because I want to throw I, I want to be angry at her. And there is a very real part of me that is um, because I know men like him. I know them. I've, I've been in contact with them. I've been friends with them. They've been in my circles and the women who stand by those men are not the women that I consider allies, but and I'm going to caveat this, but watching her reminds me that even the women that enforce and uphold patriarchy are victims of patriarchy. Um, so I can hold space for both feelings. One, you're a piece of shit. Like, stop it. Like, stop it for your daughters. Stop it. But simultaneously being like, all right, like collectively as women, I feel for her. So it's just been like, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. Like it's when a I, lot to process. When I feel like I get like a mental break watching The Purge, like shit's gone off the rails. It really does. And I just have to echo everything that you're saying, Marcy. And, you know, these white men from the Republican side, two of them who were there when they basically lambasted Anita Hill live on television, are going to do it again tomorrow morning. And But this time they're having a woman do the dirty work for them because they don't want to get in attack ads where people are showing them doing something that's only 27 years later um, and learning nothing. We know they've learned nothing, but here we go again. And the fact that they've already scheduled a confirmation vote 
for Friday shows that nothing is going to stop this train unless we take back our democracy ourselves. So a lot to happen in the next 72 hours. I'm so excited to be going to D.C. this week and being there um, and hopefully doing some radical activism. I'll be at the March for Black Women's Lives and really doing a lot of stuff to make sure that our voices, we are the people, we the people are heard. I really appreciate that. I'm excited you're going to DC. Um, yeah, no, I'm, we need allies right now. We need vocal dissent. We need, we need to rise up. Everything is on fire. Everything is on fire right now. Everything is on fire. But speaking of another thing that's on fire, we have a new trailer for Fantastic Beasts. We do. And Twitter has been on fire about it. Marcy, I have to tell you something. Oh God. Are you about to disappoint me? (laughs) It's been a hard week. (laughs) I liked the movie. I didn't love the movie. Okay. Uh, But I'm more excited for the second one. We're talking about the first Fantastic Beasts. Yes. Okay. So you're wrong. And let me tell you the ways you're wrong. Um, actually, this is a good place to, to give a shout out to the fact that um, probably really soon I'll be starting um, a side uh, project within Pop Culture Theologians um, where I'll be doing a Sunday breakdown of Harry Potter. So um, similar, kind of, kind of like a, a reading according to Potter. Uh, but you're wrong, John. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. So... I love Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, I think it is the Harry Potter that we need in this day and age. Um, It was transgressive in the ways that I needed it to be. And I'll go into this in a totally separate podcast because I will like talk everyone's ear off for like an hour. Um, But two things that really stood out to me from the first film were the Obscurious uh, Credence, which I thought was a very good analogy for what it would mean to be in the closet in a world that is afraid of any type of queerness, um, which I loved. And then deconstructing the modern male. I think Newt Scamander is a different type of male protagonist and I appreciate that. And I think that was course correction for kind of what a jackass Harry Potter is. Um, And I say that in love, but Harry is kind of a jackass. Uh, This new trailer for The Crimes of Grindelwald has gotten a lot of flack on Twitter, and I think a lot of it is deserved. Um, We find out that uh, Nagini, the snake, apparently was an actual person, which is a little shady uh, for those of us that really follow Potter, Um, especially because here is a woman of color who's all of a sudden going to turn into a murderer, and there's barely any women of color in the narrative to begin with. So um, so I, I side with Twitter that I have issues with it. Clearly, I have issues with Johnny Depp being cast as Grindelwald. Um, It's just unnecessary, and there were better decisions to make there. Uh, I'm confused. You know what I think happened there? I think that they contractually had him in there, and then after everything broke, because these deals are made so far ahead of time, and then once all that stuff came out that, you know, he's abused and assaulted his um, ex-wife now, current wife at the time, and all of the problems that we've come to know with him on set, and Disney being Disney and pretty much owning, I I think they own me, I don't know if they own you, Marcy, but they definitely own me. Um, 
but you know they have power it's just like with the weinstein stuff they are able to stop certain things from coming out they own one of the four major news network you know cable networks and i think you see the power of the media there with really trying to rewrite or hide the narrative around johnny depp i won't disagree with you but jk rowling came out in defense of him on twitter and, uh, okay, we have to move on then because I'm starting to lose my faith in my heroes. <laughs> I know, it's really difficult. So, but I'm excited. Uh, anything Harry Potter for me is like Christmas Day. So I'm going to reserve judgment till you and I can bitch about it in a different podcast. Perfect. Well, with that, are you ready to purge, Marcy? Am I ready to purge this week? Yes. Let the purging commence. broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the u.s government weapons of class four and lower have been authorized for use during the purge all other weapons are restricted government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed commencing at the siren any and all crime including murder will be legal for 12 continuous hours police fire and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m when the purge concludes Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. All right, Marcy. So who do we meet right away in the beginning of the episode? Okay, so the episode starts with Allison having her come to Jesus moment, which is a tiny bit too late. She's like the Judas of this episode. Um, We have Jane like over Mark's body and Allison is starting to process what just happened, which is she just killed a dude for a promotion. Um, And Jane just keeps like yelling at her and like kind of digging into the psyche of what, of that person who just did something real bad. Um, And I think one of the things that we're supposed to take from this, which I hate that I'm pulling from like old school youth group uh, theology, but it's, you don't make decisions when you're in turmoil don't do it. It's a really bad idea. You don't break up with someone when you're pissed. You don't get married to someone when you're pissed. Like, and so I think Allison is just kind of like, oh shit, I killed someone. And then you have to ask yourself, what does that mean for Allison? And what does that mean in the broader context of the purge world? Like, what does it mean to wake up the day after you purged? Like, John, if you had purged me, right? Let's just say you and I had our second fallout in all of history, because I think we've only ever fought once. Um, and you killed me. <laughs> Do how, about, have- how about you kill me so we don't have recapitulate the violence against women narrative? <laughs> I'm happy with you purging me. I love you so much. Okay, so I purged John because, because he did me wrong. And, and he doesn't like fantastic beasts. <laughs> Yes, I purged this fucking Slytherin because I feel like he stabbed me in the back. Um, what does that mean? Like the next day, do I have to tell my parents I purged someone? Do I have to tell my significant others? Do I have to talk to his family? Um, does my job have any legal right to impose sanctions on me? Um, according to the purge uh, narrative, no, not really. But that's not real life, right? Like, just because the legality of something, let's talk about George Zimmerman again, right? Like, George Zimmerman, by the law, is not guilty of anything with Trayvon Martin. Uh, That's not the reality of his life, right? Like, he's some, like, anal wart in, like, 
the South who's like selling art and like he has had to deal with the consequences of what he's done, even if legally he didn't. So I've been thinking of like what, what, what that says, right? That like laws do not make morality. Laws do not govern the way in which we process community. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely, we talked about this in regards to the interview with Jessica and how she really saw the character herself. And I think that when you look at her, how she went into playing Allison, like getting the mindset of actually wanting to kill someone, it's a really hard sell. And I think you see that in her face after she's done it. She doesn't really know what she's done. You know, the new founding fathers promised like this type of almost release. And it's a very, you know, uh, different type of release that they give in regards to purging. They get it because they're rich, powerful, and already on top of it. They promise this product that doesn't deliver. And I think you see that with Jessica after she realizes Mark is dead and what she's done. She's supposed to sense this, um, you know, almost sense of relief that, you know, she exercised her right to purge. And that's clearly not the case. Right. I actually really admired, um, the fact that Jessica was like, I couldn't get there. Like I really couldn't, I couldn't get to the place where I would understand a person who would do this. Um, I will tell you what I did understand was Allison immediately freaking out like a caged like animal and being like, yeah, well, Jane, I saw your computer because I am the worst person to get into a fight with because if I'm drowning, I'm going to drown you with me. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, I mean, Allison really lets Jane have it. I mean, Jane sits there and she acts all mortified and she can't believe what she did. Um, but then Allison also says, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, Jane. And she lets Jane know that she saw her computer. She knows what she was going to do. She necessarily doesn't try to guilt her because it's her right to purge, as, you know, Jane said in the last episode. And then, you know, pretty much Allison gives her a dose of truth that almost, I think, awakens her to a degree because she leaves the scene we are you know no longer seeing allison anymore we learned in the interview so want want we don't really know what happened to her she's still can alive we have a moment of silence for yes. allison let's because... have a moment of silence <sighs> that's really shitty it's really shitty to build up this character maybe they didn't realize that she would become a fan favorite um but give and and Jessica did say maybe it'll come out in dialogue what happened, but like I would have liked a, a decent goodbye to a character that's kind of been predominant in the series, right? Like, and I understand that like Jane is about to exit floor 38 and she might never come back, but just give me a flashback. Like, I don't care if she like jumps out a window and is like, I'm done with this world, but give me something. Like Definitely. And I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes and ears out for any hints of Allison. But I think that's one thing that um, a lot of people are realizing about the actress herself. Her role on The Resident was really small, but now she's getting a larger role. And I think that in terms of, you know, how people see and cast these things, it's an ever-changing world almost so you know rest in peace not actually in peace allison because you're still alive we hope but we love you rest in pieces rest so, in pieces uh, flashback so, right so jane freaks out and decides to undo what she's done which if there was anything that was made clear in episode two is that you cannot undo it 
once you ordered the kill, the kill is on. But she's clearly not thinking straight because she calls her mom. She's like, mom, I love you. I gotta go. And then um, she grabs a fucking hammer. <laughs> and I, I rolled my eyes. Right? Like she goes into the streets to apparently undo this all herself. So she's probably going to David Riker's house to protect him from the hit girls she hired. Um, Who, by the way, has guns. She does not have a hand. Right, (laughs) right. Plus, I'm going to be real honest. I think if David Riker sees her, he's probably going to try to purge her himself. So I think she's in danger either way. Or Um, he's going to try and do something else to her. He's been clearly trying to assault or harass her this whole time. I will say the show has not used sexual violence on women in a way that has made me uncomfortable yet. So I'm hoping that's not the route they go. Um, I hope he's just raging and is like, you hired a hitman. So John, if you, okay. If you were about to run out into the street on purge night, you had no gun in your house. Do you grab a hammer or what do you grab? Zombies. You and your zombies, man. No. Um, oh my God. Well, what do I even, I don't have weapons in my house, so I'm definitely dead. Um, I, Look at these two liberals who are like, I don't have shit in my house. I don't have shit in my house. <laughs> I don't like guns. I, ugh, I, I hate guns. I know it's weird to say that. You shouldn't, I mean, right? But I hate, I, I hate guns. I don't like crimes of violence. I'm a, I try to be a very peaceful person. You know, violence is like always the last resort. John only slays with his words. <laughs> I slay with my mind. Jean Grey status. I so on Twitter I put that I would take a frying pan because that is probably the most dangerous thing in my house. Um, it's like cast iron. My my best friend just sent it to me. Like, but I'm not. I'm just not running out. Like I, I know myself, I have strengths. None of my strengths are going to keep me alive on the streets of the purge. Exactly. I would bring my cast iron skillet too. And we could be the cast iron skillet gang. Right. Like imagine how easy it would be to be like, yo, I know you want to kill me, but have you ever had some eggs Benedict? I'm just, Hey, have you ever had my eggs Benedict? Right. Like, I'm just saying, like, let's talk this out. Let's manger together. What would Anthony Bourdain do? Um, but Marcy, who does Jane meet? My favorite thing that's happened so far in Purge Universe. Jane runs into a, surprise, surprise, Winnebago, <laughs> full of women who are out resisting, and they're called the Matron Saints. Ah, freaking out. We, we freaking definitely out. need to make t-shirts. I, I don't even want a t-shirt. I want a straight up, like, pink ladies jacket. Like, I want a biker jacket that says the Matron Saints. Um, I was really psyched about the nuns on the bus last week. I don't think the nuns on the bus are going to pan out for me, which is fine because the Matron Saints are. So I think that they're kind of like a tip of the hat to like the women of Mad Max, which I love, like absolutely love. Um, There are these women that are out there protecting I'm not going to specifically say other women, but I will, I will acknowledge that I think there might be a bit of that in, in it. Um, they let Jane know that, you know, they're part of the resistance. They're specifically concerned with gender side on purge night. So they say that 
um, it's a three to one ratio of women kills in the purge versus men. And that sexual assault and rape is extremely high um, and that minorities are targeted. And look, I didn't need them to say this to know it, right? Um, I feel like they we said it was such conviction though. But the, yeah, the way that they said it was for me, a way of the show being like, we're not fucking around. Like I, wherever you're watching this, whatever your political ideological beliefs are, we have a message and we are on point. Violence in this country is directed at women and it is intersectional. So women of color, uh, trans women, like there is a specific like onslaught of violence and they're addressing it. And I was like, yes, yes, this is what I want. Like, I don't need to be hit over the head with like stats or anything like that, but this did not feel heavy handed in the sense that they thought we had missed it. This felt more like a fuck you to anyone who thinks this is just simple horror. And what a week to be talking about violence against women and women that are really rising up and taking back almost the power and, you know, shooting men in the balls, as they said, when they saved Jane from the guy that was trying to purge her, or he was trying to roofie her and she swallowed a little bit, but of the whatever concoction this crazy raper guy was trying to do, which I'm like you, Marcy, I'm glad that they're not going. Yes, hello, Kavanaugh. Right. And so it's really interesting. And I was so glad to see these matron saints go up there and be women as the resistance and, you know, really kicking ass. Well, and I think too, like a day like today, as we prep for tomorrow, where these men hold a lot of women's futures in their hands, like there's something to be said about a cultural message from a show that's transgressive saying, stop waiting for your rights through in the, like to come through in the hands of men, take them back yourselves, defend yourselves. Like enough is enough. And I think of that in regards to our political system. I think of it in regards to patriarchal religions, like enough is enough. I don't have time to wait for ballless men to give me my rights. So um, the way that I think this correlates to the nuns on the bus is I was thinking about it. And like we talked about in a lot of the previous episodes, horror is really concerned with like imagery and these like images that haunt us and are a part of our kind of like collective mindset. So the matron saints is obviously another Catholic reference. Um, but I think what they're showing us is that the nuns are kind of are idols. Like this is a perverted version of womanhood and it still does damage. It is violent. And I say this complete, like completely seriously, nuns, religious life, celibate men, celibate women. And like this is, their ideology is dangerous. Um, It is meant to look harmless, but it is dangerous. And so to have that, you know, the juxtaposition of those like super weird vagina dentata mouthed nuns to this, these women who are like, they're wearing the appropriate gear for saving lives, right? Like they're foul mouthed. They're not afraid to take prisoners Um, they're not afraid of being matrons, which is really important when you compare that to nuns who are virginal. They're saying like, we are what we are, right? We're like, we're normal women. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. Absolutely in love with the matron scene and what they stand for. I love them. And then, so we go from Jane to a carnival, first of all, 
I hate carnivals. So I'm definitely, this show is not helping me with my anxiety there, but we go to meet Penelope who is at the Carnival of Flesh. Right. These nuns did not work out for her. <laughs> no, these nuns definitely sold her up the creek and she is now at the Carnival of Flesh where purge victims, or I'm sorry, where people auction off, um, like we talked about, minorities, women, you know, downtrodden people, older people, younger people, these people from the blue bus. Um, and they are killed in the various like carnival game type twisted ways. It's really crazy. There's firing squads, there's gladiator fights, like a witch trial, if I remember something. I mean, like it is just full on, like if you hate carnivals and circuses and circus folk now, definitely don't go to one of these. Right. This carnival of flesh. Um, again, let's tie it to the nuns on the bus. It's a critique of virginal like austerity and celibacy because the nuns are actually going to the carnival of flesh to purge, right? And so you've got these like live tableaus of historical reenactments in which they put these people into, right? So like this is the place you go if you want to purge your wife like she's Marie Antoinette. So you you dress her up and you behead her in front of folks. I'm gonna guess this is a very expensive type of immersion experience. <laughs> like it's really messed up. Um, but it is not surprising. Um, murder and violence lives in that fantasy realm um, for a lot of folks. So this is like going to Comic-Con times purge. Um, so John, if you had to pick your death a la reenactment like they do at the carnival of flesh right if you had to have one of these historical tableaus where you die how are you going out oh my god how am i going out you know what i could never get those like balls in the like little things for the fish at the carnivals at rippin fest where i grew up there was a, a fair <laughs> called rippin fest and to my, my friend, Sarah, who better be listening because she's my friend. And if she's not supporting me, then hello. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. But, and because she's really distraught, Rip and Fest still doesn't go on. It has been on for a few years now. I think like 10 years, actually, so not a few. But I could never get like those fish. And granted, those fish like always die like later that night because they're like, you know, the mutated type of goldfish but I would want to die in some twisted fashion related to that because if I couldn't do it just take me out like that now just bring <laughs> back my childhood and torment me more I love that I would totally want to die Salem witch like trials like 100% like represent for the women that came before who died at the hands of insecure men I'd be like fine I'm gonna go down the way that some of my heroes went um, John, I've ever told you what the tattoo on my rib cage says? No. So I've got a tattoo. It's a, it's like a moon and in the middle of it, um, it says we are the daughters of the witches you could not burn. I love that. That's my favorite photo of you, by the way. Oh, you're the best. It is. So for me, that is extremely symbolic of coming through the other side of having been in a cult, having been super religious, having been surrounded by um, orthodoxy and coming out the other side and realizing that I come from a long line and history of women who eventually said a fuck you to patriarchy. So second question for you. If you had to purge someone this week, 
at this carnival of flesh? Who are you purging and how? So we're at the who we're going to purge this week? I think so, yeah. And I want, it, I want to know how you'd purge them at the carnival of flesh. Definitely. So I am so annoyed, anno- annoyed, but annoyed as well that uh, CNN aired some like group like oh, the Florida Hannah. women. I'm so sorry. Uh, those Florida yeah. women. Ay, ay, ay. So um, they didn't tell you that like one of them run ran a Trump like surrogate campaign. Like another one like was, I mean, they're all like associated with him in some way. And they're sitting there trying to sit there and make him look like, you know, when they're sitting there, the average white woman voter that supports Trump. Um, They're literally like the Trumpiest of the Trump, Trump people. And so- yeah. They've got to go. They've got to go. And what I would do is I would not, I would like lock them in a room and make them listen to Hillary Clinton's speeches so <laughs> loudly for the rest of their lives or, or just at least for those 12 hours and, um, and, t- and like, you know, like literally drive them cuckoo. Nice. Nice. Mine's actually not that different from yours. I think it was MSNBC had this mom who with her daughters on live TV was like, oh my God, being groped is not a big thing. What 18 year old boy doesn't grope you? Like, and the daughters are like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was watching it and I was like, man, no, that is a lot of internalized um, self-hatred. But I ain't got time for it. I feel real sorry. How would you do it? I feel sorry for our daughters, but I would put the mom in a straight up gladiator fight. That's right. Yep. Some lions. It's over. Like, yeah, no, I don't have time for women like that. I just, I just don't. If you thought the Christians had it bad. (laughs) Right. Uh, Shout out to plebs, plebs. I don't know how to pronounce it, but if you've never seen that show, it's on Hulu and it is hilarious. Um, Go watch it. So at this carnival of flesh, um, there's some old guy who mistakes Penelope for his granddaughter. And um, I think we're supposed to process that there's some ageism involved in the purge. Um, So we've got people of color, women, uh, minorities, the old, like who isn't targeted, pretty much just rich upper-class white people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you've got like people as cattle. Um, I think the important thing to grab from this carnival of flesh is that Penelope looks like she's starting to lose her nerve. And I don't mean that she's like scared of the purge. I think she's starting to realize that she's messed up. Like that whatever she thought this was, it isn't. There is no clean exit out of this world in the purge, much less at the carnival of flesh. Um, So Penelope's night gets a lot worse when she is sold like cattle um, in an auction to this dude. And then we immediately see Penelope's face like has recognition in it. She knows the guy that just bought her and she looks terrified and this guy looks thrilled. Um, So I'm guessing that as the story develops, we will find out who this guy is. Um, I'm going to hedge my bets on someone that purged her mom and dad. Um, Something about it has to recall her past trauma. So, so John moving on from Penelope and the carnival of flesh Talk to me about Miguel. Oh. What could Miguel possibly be doing during this episode? Miguel is as lost as a Mormon who is searching for his true sexuality. Oh, yes. <laughs> he is lost and confused 
and he has no idea where she is but he always he almost comes so close to finding her and then he go, he turns left while she goes right so um miguel is still searching for penelope and pete bartender pete puts him in touch with rex the cowboy i'm loving these names by the way rex I know, the cowboy I know. and so <laughs> good writing um, good writing but really what it shows is like a lot of these male figures aren't that fleshed out i think in the actual show which is fine by me i'm personally here for all of the like really amazing female characters that the show is uh, is giving they're much more diverse um but you know the male characters are a little bit more one-sided um and what happens is is rex the cowboy you know lets miguel know that penelope's is at the carnival of flesh and he's gonna take him there and um miguel talks about his foster home life they have this like nice little car trip montage scene almost where they're talking about everything the cowboy you know lets miguel on to the fact that he has victims in the cell in his truck and he said basically everyone's got to make a living right you know he has one of those you know i'm still uh i have a right to purge two types of moments and um, it is purge night after all, so it's legal. And, you know, Miguel sits there and it's really uncomfortable for him from what it appears. And he's really struggling because he really wants to find his sister. He knows that time is running out. I mean, we're on episode four. It's a 10 episode series. So we're almost at the halfway point. So they definitely have to be reunited soon, especially after Penelope was sold um, to this creepy guy. And I'm going to say probably a spoiler alert that Miguel is going to kill that guy or in order to get his sister back, but we'll have to see. Yeah, no, agreed. Even though I will say, I'm not sure Miguel, like I could tell Miguel was struggling with the conversation, but there's a part of Miguel that seems really passive about like the conversation that I was like, oh, so similar to Rick, (laughs) there's a bit of passiveness in this that I find a little bit disturbing, which is he's kind of like, all right, Rex the cowboy, like as long as you take me to my sister, I don't give a shit who you sell. Um, Which brings us to our other kind of complicit, I'm not gonna go so far as to say Miguel is complicit because obviously he's looking for a sister, but would he be looking for his sister if, like, would he feel as strongly as he does if they weren't in the situation that they were? I don't think they've made a very compelling case for Miguel. Penelope, yes. Miguel, similar to the other dudes in this series, is just a little bit flat for me. Also, I want to say a shout out to the actress that is playing Penelope, Jess Garza, because she on Twitter, I saw, you know, I think she's getting some flack from people watching the show that's really calling. And we've discussed this with the cult mentality a little bit and how that really does take over someone's mind and almost their free will and agency that, you know, and she's saying, well, Penelope is not stupid. You know, she's not you know, blind. She's trying to change what Purge Night is because that's the avenue to which she's tackling it. But shout out to Jess Garza, the actress that is playing her, that handled like some of those trolls or whoever commenters uh, really well. Yeah, she um she kind of bit back at people who are like, I think this girl's like an idiot. And um again, hold space for two truths. Penelope's definitely an idiot. She joined like the stupidest cult that's ever existed. But <laughs> that is through the lens of someone who's extremely hurt and is looking for 
like salvation and meaning in her life, right? So I jokingly say like this girl, like what the fuck, like stop. Um, but it was nice to see that we're not alone on the island of saying like, this is a show about trauma and this is a show about what it means to retake your agency. So, um, so yeah, it was cool to see her kind of be like, yo, like sit down, like until you've been in her shoes, metaphorically speaking, um, you don't know what you do when you're a broken person. So, all right. So the show moves on to Jared Kushner is the new founding father. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I literally can't with Rick. I have no interest in him. He I, does look like Jared Kushner. He's, he's so obnoxious. No insult to the actor who's no very insult handsome. To the actor. Like, he's very handsome. Right. You are really cute. It's just if you're, you're ever in West Hollywood. Well, well, I have a boyfriend. So, but you know, any site, anyways. But um, but yeah, like I think like. Jenna will never look at Rick the same way. So she saw him go for the gun and she's just kind of like, I don't trust this dude. Like, this is my baby's daddy. I'm like, I don't know him. And then um, Rick seems to be navigating really comfortably in that room full of serial killers. Like he, I think he reminds us of like, what happened, like <laughs> to bring Kavanaugh back into it. What happens when you are just consistently brought into these systems of power and accepted and like you kind of sell your soul for acceptance like men crave acceptance and to not be made fun of and to feel like they are a part of something in a way that is extremely detrimental to their mental health and so watching Rick like dude he just got handed a shit ton of money and all he had to do was like say yes and he didn't even have to do anything to to participate but like he's complicit already he is a part of the new founding fathers already. And Jenna definitely knows that. Um, she does. She sees it. For sure. And so we get a flashback to this threesome. And to reiterate, the like, he is creepy. Like, when he finds out that Jenna has some feelings for Lila, he's like, well, we could have a threesome. And, like, it doesn't help their broken marriage. Like, <laughs> a threesome. Uh, public service announcement, a threesome will never help your broken marriage. It will help a healthy marriage, maybe. But definitely not a broken one. And, and nor will a foursome. Oh, yeah. Don't be a square. Uh, <laughs> but this this whole flashback, this whole thing with Lila and Jenna and Rick, all it's done for me is confirm that I'm definitely rooting for Jalila. And I don't give a shit what happens to Rick. I'm hoping that Jenna like gets to purge him because I'm really hoping he gets purged by the end of this show. Um, but if this is loudly screaming anything, it's <laughs> reject men and bring women in. Yeah, uh, men suck. Eh, well, you would know, right, John? <laughs> well, yes, men suck, but Rick sucks. Like, I mean, I was okay with him for a little while. I'm so glad that we're getting some answers to stuff in the show now about why they were so apprehensive to see Lila. Um, Jenna's real feelings towards her, which obviously came about after the second episode and when the first episode ended. And I'm here for Team Jalila, hashtag Team Jalila, um, and they, how they are really playing this up because Rick has the money now, he's complicit. And Jenna is too, but she has that moral quandary. Her and Lila have always talked about using Lila's father's money, who's in the new founding father's like inner circle, and using it for good. I mean, she did go full social justice warrior last week, but she does have 
a purpose and what she wants to do for that money. And I think that we see that with Lila wanting to actually be a supportive partner for her. And she tells her that she will, um, you know, shock her, raise the baby with her, probably in a much better way than Rick could. And then there's Rick walking off amongst all the, you know, people praising the serial killers, drinking a glass of champagne, and just really hyper jealous that he is not man enough or cannot give his um, wife really what she needs. And that's comfort, that's support, that's love, that's partnership, that's equality, you know, equity in their marriage. And I think he's seeing it crumble before his eyes. Yeah, I agree. I will say if I'm making predictions for the rest of this season, I don't think Lila or Rick are going to come out of this alive. So I, I'm going to stake my claim right now that of this scenario of this storyline the only person who's coming out alive is jenna and barely and with her baby but barely um i think lila is still up in the air in regards to what her intentions are as a whole i do think she loves jenna but girl was raised by the new founding fathers and she she seems to know how to manipulate in a way that like could potentially be a front so oh jenna and catalina Catalina is the name of the maid I've been rooting for since episode one. And she's uh, still alive. Still alive. I'm going to root for her to make it all the way out. Um, but Catalina comes up to Jenna and is like, hey, you need to get out of this house. And she's not saying that like in a facetious way or anything like that. She knows they're mid-purge. So something's about to go down in this house. And it's going to be bad. And I think Jenna's baby's in trouble. But like Catalina's like, get out, man, get out. You need to get out. You are safer on those streets than you are in here. So I think that this leaves us with some questions for the next episode, which is who's in danger right now? Is it Jenna? Is it the baby? Is it Rick? Um, And what, what does it mean? Like, I thought they signed like contracts. Like you can't just like, you know, like, so does that not mean anything? Is there more to this party than we initially thought, right? Um, could they potentially just be sacrifices? Like they're the only ones not in on some big joke that's about to start. Um, I'm interested to see how that all plays out. But Jalila forever for now. Uh, but I'm fine rooting for Jenna and Catalina. Jenna is fine with me. <laughs> Jenna is fine with me. I definitely want to say that I the maid she's definitely a goner I still think she's a goner um but I actually think Rick is going to be the one that dies and Lila and Jenna are going to live in the end oh no for sure Jared Kushner his days are ticking like I don't think we get him all the way to episode eight yeah, I mean, we are hitting a really pivotal moment, and we're going to talk about this in next week's episode. We're going to have a whole section for predictions for the second half of the season now that we really start seeing a lot of the purge time frame that we're in. You know, it's probably been going for a good three to four hours. So we're, you know, one third of the way being done. And really, what does that mean in terms of where our stories are going? What can we expect? And really, who is making it out of this? series alive right um the final thing i want to mention which the fact that it's final and um and it's like an afterthought i think is a critique of this entire narrative but that other dude is still doing his thing (laughs) the dude who apparently is on some vigilante hunt to save people who are almost about to be purged He's still doing his thing. Um, He manages to save that woman in the last episode. He failed to save some people in this episode. Uh, He's so frustrated that he failed that he takes off his masks. 
I don't recognize him. I, John, I don't think you recognized him. We haven't seen him yet. He's an actor. I, I've, I follow him on Twitter and I definitely um, have seen him in different shows. I think this is the first time we're really getting into him and who he is. Um, I saw some tweets about it last night from some of the other actors on the show, like saying, this is who this guy is and there's more to come. So um, I just can't be bothered. Like, Yeah, it's too late in the show to introduce yeah. kind of like a beeline uh, or bee narrative with, uh, you know, what's been think- going on. Can I be sassy? Like, this yeah. show's good enough. Like, I don't need some white savior that you're trying to shove down my throat. Like, it matters when it doesn't. Like, I I honestly could care less. And I don't think it makes this show stronger. Like, focus on these characters that you're building up and fleshing out instead of dropping these weird breadcrumbs. Like, nothing that he, um, like, nothing about him could excite me. Like, if he's the president of the United States, it just doesn't seem relevant to the show. Um, but I mean, I would rather them bring back Allison, to be honest. Right. What if he's Allison and he's just wearing a mask? Oh my God. Well, okay, let's do this. What would Allison do to this guy? Honestly, she would push him out the 38th floor. She'd be like, no one has time for you. There's other storylines. I definitely think that what she would do is she would craft him a really nice like card that said like you're about to be purged and then she would go to town with her favorite pair of scissors. Nicely done, John. Yeah, no, it's just like I can't I I'm not interested. Um, And I'm it's fine if I regret those words next week, by all means, I love being surprised by narrative that I didn't expect. I was surprised by the matron saints this week. I, you know, I didn't think you could top the nuns on the bus and then uh, they definitely did. So I'm excited to see what comes of it. But for now, the three main storylines, which are all female centered are the ones I care about. Yeah. And the matron saints are tied to a main character. This guy has 45 seconds on his own at the end of the episode. Yeah. I just, I don't care. And you're like, who are you, buddy? Like, you know, at first you're listening to some creepy ass radio talk. Like, I, I would rather have 45 seconds where they said, and Allison lived happily ever after and she moved into a larger cubicle because she got her promotion. Right. Agreed. 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 Well, we have a lot to look forward to next week. Agreed. Oh man, I'm agreeing to everything. Yes, I am uh, super excited for next week. I will be trying to watch the show from Canada. <laughs> so You'll be in Canada? I will. I'll be in Vancouver next week. Um, and I'll be in San Francisco the week afterwards. So I'll be recording on the road. Um, I love it. I know, I know. I wonder if I'm going to have to use my hacker skills to find the show next week. But, you probably will, but that's a whole um, nother um, topic, Marcy, because if we start talking about your hacking skills, we're going to have to put a disclaimer oh, in. Shh. <laughs> Well, Purgers, you know, we thank you for coming along on this ride one more time with us this week for episode four, four. You know, please go subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review. We really love reading reviews. Send us an email, tweet us, like us on Facebook. You know, we're there to respond to you and to really talk about a lot of stuff. Marcy and I have so much to look forward to for these next five episodes. We have a lot of exciting stuff we're going to be announcing in the coming weeks as well. Um, with bonus content and stuff to look forward to for season two. Yes, because we're planners. We're already there, but we will see you back at the same time next week. Yes. And please go register to vote, resist, recognize that these are historic times. And if you're inspired by shows like 
the purge and you love the hunger games and you're like i love harry potter because he fought voldemort do it be the hero in the story we need heroes this is a time for heroes so go do something please and on that note happy purging everyone happy purging <laughs>